Toronto Argonauts are the 2022 Grey Cup champions. What a game, what a finish, what a night here with the 109th Grey Cup on Sunday, November 20th, 2022. The Argos taking home the championship over the Winnipeg Blue Bombers with a dramatic last-minute victory. Uh, we're here on the Canadian Football Countdown, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network to break it all down for you here this evening. We are live on a variety of different platforms, all thanks to our presenting sponsor, GameTime TV, which you can learn more about at GameTimeTV.ca or Facebook.com slash GameTimeTVMB. Uh, before we go any further, also want to acknowledge that the Canadian Football Countdown is brought to you from Treaty 1 Territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Ota Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 Territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. I'm Ryan Coop here, joined this evening uh we're hoping to get the whole panel in here yet trey is uh making his way back from the stadium he did go to the game uh he's trying to get to a spot with proper wi-fi to jump in here with us but we got the rest of the crew here this evening so first off a man who uh went on a heater with his predictions here in the playoffs and is celebrating in his argos hat here tonight it's the great adam stewart adam how are you tonight you know, I'm doing pretty good, obviously. I mean, my team, uh, my new team, the Argonauts, uh, went in, did what they had to do, and uh, absolutely, totally planned and how they did it. I'm sure nobody, uh, I'm sure that uh, entry or uh, way this game ended was definitely planned by everybody, including the Argonauts. I mean, okay, in reality, you know what? The Argonauts go away with a victory here against a really good Winnipeg Blue Bomber team. Uh, Wow, that was uh, that was an ending. Let's put it that way. It was an ending indeed. We'll break it all down here this evening. But first, let's welcome in a man who uh, might be a little, little more somber after the outcome of this game. But uh, he's still decked out in his blue and gold nonetheless. The great Michael Garrell is here. Mike, how are you doing after the loss? You know what? I'm okay. Um, you know, I've been saying to you, uh, one of you anyway, it's... It's not 2019. It hasn't been 30 years. So, you know what? I I can take it. And you know what? It's it's one of those. And trust me, I have a lot of thoughts. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep this brief because I know we saw the opening statements. Um, you know what? It wasn't good enough tonight. Um, to use a refrain from Michael Shea. Came down to a couple plays, and they made one more. And couldn't have said it better myself. But the good news is the sun gets up tomorrow, and the motivation begins for a Blue Bomber team. Uh, but wants to get back there, but thinks they had a chance to win tonight, had every right to win tonight. Um, as ugly as they played, they were right there. Um, but again, it's, it's very, very interesting because Toronto just won two great cups. You know, if you want to go back to that Calgary one and Ottawa in the snow, they didn't necessarily play their best there. They did enough here. One against two heavily favored teams to, you know, win those two great cups and, Hamilton was in these shoes in 2019 at 15 and three. There's something about 
15 and 3 in the last couple regular seasons, but doesn't add up to great top championships. But that's okay. The sun gets up tomorrow. Things will be okay. We, we reflect on the magnificent run that this has been since the Calgary game in 2019. It hit 2021. Two championships. Yeah, I have a 15 and 3 this year. Colossus is only third loss in actual legitimate football games in his time in Winnipeg. One's a great cup. Big deal. Life goes on. Doesn't replace the 15 and 3 awesome West final. A lot of memories and a lot of fans that the Bombers made this year, but we're not necessarily diehard Bomber fans. So those are just opening. Mumbo jumbo thoughts for me. I'm sure there'll be more as the night goes on. Yeah, we're here to chat about anything and everything from tonight's game. We'll break down how the Argos pulled this out, what went wrong for the Bombers. We'll talk about the major moments, of course, some players who may have finally gotten, uh, you know, the Grey Cup they're looking for and what could be next or if this is the final chapter for them and we'll talk about where these teams go from here heading into the 2022 offseason as well before we do all that let's take a moment to thank one of our sponsors for this episode of the podcast and that is betstamp betstamp is a free app that shows you all the different odds across many different sports books to help you find the best value for your online sports betting wagers and through their verified bet tracking feature you get the guarantee that these odds you're viewing are legitimate Check out the commission-free BetStamp marketplace to see the picks of others have made and use the BetLink page within the app to link your sportsbooks accounts and easily track your wagers as you make them. Visit BetStamp.app or download the free app from your local app store. Sign up with referral code CFC to start using BetStamp free today. Best of luck with your wagers and remember, always bet responsibly. Well, I think the... Most logical place to start things off here is, as you mentioned, Mike, uh, big upset for the Argos. They do it, what, twice now in the last four years. First they did it over Calgary. Now they've done it over Winnipeg. Let's go to you here first, Adam. How did the Argos pull this one out? Well, you know, it was kind of a weird game all along, I think. Uh, you looked at both of these teams here. And uh, first of all, yeah, Bridgewater's finest. Uh, that's almost all we could ask for in a Grey Cup game, especially that ending. That the last three, four minutes uh, was just absolutely incredible. Even the last half, technically, was just great football. Uh, but I'll start in the first half here. Again, it was a defensive struggle right off the bat. Uh, both teams seemed to get quick two and outs. I know Toronto got a few first downs there. Uh, Andrew Harris seemed to be running the ball very well, actually, in the first quarter. Uh, ended up getting about 40, 50 yards uh, really quickly, along with A.J. Olette, and uh, did a great job of that. But the Bombers did come back here a little bit. They went and they had their big target uh, open once or twice, which was Dalton Schoen. Uh, had a great chance at, a, at the first catch that he had. Kind of maybe a drop, some guys were saying on the TSN panel. I think it was a good defensive play. But again, both way, way you look at that, it uh, could have been big yards for the Blue Bombers that didn't go the right way for them on that one. Uh, but eventually, you knew that Dalton Schoen was going to make one of those catches. And he did, I think it was just getting closer towards the second, just into the second quarter. Uh, Ended up getting a big catch from Zach Kalaros. I think it was a 40-some-yard pass. Uh, just a big first down. And, again, when they get that momentum rolling, Winnipeg has that opportunity and always get seems to capitalize on those plays. 
Uh, so it was nice of them to get that first to the, the game's first touchdown, uh, went into the half a 10 point, 10, seven, a uh, couple little points. I just wanted to bring up before we go into the second half though. Uh, the first things first that, uh, BC or Winnipeg, sorry. And, uh, Toronto, both teams really had their defenses going early. Uh, Winnipeg seemed to put the pressure, uh, very early on McLeod Bethel Thompson causing a strip sack. Uh, and getting that first inter, uh, first over turnover of the game, which usually brings some huge momentum going that way. Uh, the uh, Argos got one uh, going into the second, or it, it was either in the second or the third quarter. I can't remember exactly, but uh, they also got a strip sack. However, it was lucky enough that uh, one of the Blue Bombers' offensive linemen jumped on that ball because that would have been a terrible field position for uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers to come from. Uh but, you know, I just wanted to bring up a couple points real quick on the TSN broadcast. First things first, when they do things, uh, when they put some effort into things, boy, do they do a lot of good things right in this broadcast. Uh, right at 5 o'clock, that hype video that they had at the beginning uh, with the uh, Maestro uh, Sympathy Orchestra or whatever was playing and switching it over to the football field as it was going along and like just having those little cutscenes like that, man, that was fun and wa to watch. I know like the Monday night football always does and NFL, they do this all the time. DSN, go ahead and do that more. That was awesome. Uh, the anthem, everything was pretty good going into it. Uh, yeah, there's a little bit of a mess up in the anthem, but eh, it happens. Uh, and uh, of course, we all were watching for heads or tails on the uh, kickoff. And uh, if you looked at our bets earlier in the uh, game, uh, earlier in this one, uh, I called heads. I know Mike, or not Mike, uh, Ryan and uh, Trey called tails. So I got an early lead in the uh, bets. But uh, no, honestly, the TSN did a great job of this. Uh, the halftime act, though, is what I wanted to hear from you guys. What did you guys think of the halftime act? Uh, first, I guess, uh, Mike or Ryan, whichever one you want to go first. Uh, let's get to the halftime act. Well, I'll be real quick here because I didn't see it, to be honest. I was, I had people over to watch the game. A lot of good food out for dinner. Still trying to, you know, still a little full uh, from that. I was cleaning things up in the kitchen during halftime. So I did not see the performance myself. Mike, what do you think of it? Well, I'm, I'm much the same, eh? It's, as if, it's like when I watch a game with my team involved in it, I have a hard time eating during the game. So I'm cheering and everything else. So I just halftime to... Uh, to eat dinner, really. Uh, to eat press for my first half. But what I seemed to take from most people was that they were underwhelmed by it. But I would be careful to suggest to you that that seems to be the notion every year when it comes to halftime shows. Um, rarely ever, particularly in this day and age in social media, are people going to applaud and say that was a great halftime show? Twitter is the place for, well, what we're seeing in Winnipeg right now, negativity. So it seems like we only see the negative about the halftime show now. But you know what? It, it's good. It's, it's, you have to, when you have a big event, and I say this across the big scope, you have to find something to engage your casual fans but decide, okay, I'm going to watch one CFL game a year and 
a Sunday in November with the championship on the line. Fair three hours to do it. Fair. I know people that only watch the Super Bowl for the commercials. I know people that, you know, only watch it for the halftime. It's the halftime to me, and again, I don't want this to come across wrong. The halftime show to me in Grey Tups and Super Bowls is not for the diehard football fan. It's for that casual football fan that likes to tune in that one or two games a year and get a break from the football and do it just for the pizzazz around the game. And now, Trey, Trey said he liked the halftime show, to be fair. Trey's a big country music fan, and I think that's a big out. part of it, is it's not the genre a lot of football fans love. Uh, but if you're a country music fan, yeah, you might have liked this halftime uh, show. I know Nick in the chat is saying it was a great show. And so. here's the interesting thing. I went to the Great Cup in 2019. Personal preference really enjoyed that halftime show. So maybe it really becomes down to each each person's individual taste but again it's it's tonight's about the spectacle more than about the event uh i'm really curious to see what the tv numbers look like and that's might be just the media junkie uh in me i'm very curious what the numbers are gonna be yeah, no, I, I am too a little bit there on the numbers and everything. I watched a little bit of the halftime show. I didn't get all of it. But uh, you know what? It was actually not a bad show from what I see. Nick, you're right. I thought it was a pretty good halftime show for what it was. Uh, you got a country act that was also kind of a more of a rocky kind of country act. It wasn't really just country music. It wasn't the old George Strait or the old kind of music. It was the newer style. So to me, your younger audience would have loved that. Uh, that is uh, That follows that kind of country pop, country rock, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, it was a good show about that. So to me, that was a good thing on that. Uh, also, uh, Bridgewaters, I know you brought up there a point. Uh, felt to me like the Bombers pass rush really waned in the second half uh, when the uh, Argos pass rush picked it up in the second half. Uh, yeah, that was definitely a fair point. I think that there was more pressure on McCall Bethel Thompson for sure in that first half. He was definitely running a little bit more, having to move around a little bit more to try to make those passes and definitely was trying to hand the ball off or trying to make those uh, emergency route uh, throws because the Bombers were putting pressure on. In the second half, you're right. It also, it, it did take off the other way. And in the second half, I think that it was kind of a back and forth game for a while. Uh, Zach Kalaros, I, again, I want to bring up Zach Kalaros here. I mean, was he really healthy, guys? I mean, to me, it looked like he wasn't suffering or really in any real pain out there because he didn't wince. He didn't seem to really uh, uh, suffer jogging off the field. Looked like everything was fine. However, was he able to make the throw properly? I mean, I think later on when we get to the fourth quarter, we're definitely going to be talking about uh, about this a little bit more. So what were your guys' thoughts about the health of Zach Kalaros? And, uh, you know, no, no bias too much on the Winnipeg side now. because uh, I, I will say that I think he looked like he was healthy. To me, uh, there was a particular play, I want to say it was third or fourth quarter, where he rolled out, like we've seen him do so many times, rolled out, you know, uh, tackle almost got him by the foot. He rolled out. He made a completion like he has all season long. Seemed like he was able to cut maneuver out of the pocket on that. I didn't see too much on the injury from Coleros there. So I don't think he was fully injured. 
is probably hurting and I'm sure we'll come out and find out, you know, in two days that he had a broken foot or something like that, like always seems to happen. But it seemed like he still maneuvered pretty well. Some of his passes did seem off, but I think a lot of this is just the Argos played some really good defense here in this game, which Mike, it kind of is shown by the fact that middle linebacker Hinoch Mwamba wins most outstanding player and most outstanding Canadian in this game. The backbone of that defense uh, was really what carried this for the Argos, wasn't it? Yeah, it's very interesting, right? Because we went away from the old, I think Devere Posey is like the only non-quarterback to win the award in the last five or seven, five to seven years. Uh, if you look back, I think I saw a post today, you know, Foley by Mitchell, Michael Riley, quarterback, 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 Devere Posey, quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. Well, Andrew Andrew Harris in 2019 well, was the double, right? Um, but, yeah, that was – it was nice to see the defense get some recognition um, for, for once. And you know what? Hey, believe me, that is a former bomber. Uh, this is a guy that's been waiting uh, to win a great cup. He's about as classy as they come. Um, no problems there. Uh, great to see the defense get, get, get some uh, – did some recognition uh, for this uh, type of performance. And in particular, guys, I think the DBs from both teams deserve an awful lot of credit, at least early on. There weren't these 45-yard dashes available. Uh, they made the quarterbacks into some precision throws. Uh, as we've seen with, you know, a couple of the passes to Sean. Um, it was nice to see Toronto get their receivers involved. Uh, Marquise Ambles was a little more engaged uh, than I'd seen him in recent weeks. Um, it, it's just, it's it's very interesting, right? Because, you know, well, I'm sure we'll talk about Toronto uh, here to an extent. I was happy with their game, but it wasn't the game that I expected from the Ardenauts coming into this one uh, as far as their offense went. I, I thought for sure I had nightmares last night. I was telling people this morning, Andrew Harris running for 175 and three touchdowns is happening. I'm, I'm really surprised they didn't run the In ball. In this Argos system, one. though, Mike? In this Argo system where they never run the ball a whole ton is my question. Well, again, and then Chad Kelly comes in and we'll dissect that. And it seemed to be about a bat-breaking 17-yard run out of, you know, a 15-yard. Now, Willie Jefferson takes the penalty and shortens that playoff. But you know, the, the game in hindsight, guys, was... Everything about the CFL, crazy, chaotic, as most great cup games in the last bunch of years has been. Yeah, it was chaotic straight down to the finish. And, uh, you know, part of the chaos of this all is out of nowhere, 
McLeod Bethel-Thompson leaves the game with a hand injury in the fourth quarter, and Chad Kelly, who's been in a backup role the entire season long, first season in the CFL, all the talk this week was, well, is Drew Brown going to have to play for the Bombers because Zach Caleros is injured, and oh, what can Drew Brown do in the playoffs? Brian Dinwiddie coaches a backup quarterback to a victory in the Grey Cup in this one as Chad Kelly comes in late in the game. Uh, goes four of six for 43 yards and carries the ball two for 21, including a massive 20 yard carry that really led, I think, to their touchdown drive. Uh, Adam, I don't think we were expecting this outcome with Chad Kelly being the savior here in Toronto, were we? No, I mean, let's face it, I don't think anybody's seen Chad Kelly coming in except for maybe third and ones because really that's all he's been doing most of the season. I mean, yes, he came in a little bit. Uh, over it a little bit and made the odd pass or the odd throw, but nothing serious like this. And uh, as per the injury for McLeod Bethel-Thompson, I mean, we'll hear about it soon. I'm sure it's probably a sprain or a break in his uh, throwing hand of some sort. I know I've seen them, uh, the guys were trying to tape that up and see what they could do with it, but it didn't seem to uh, help or uh, do anything for McLeod Bethel-Thompson. So yeah, Chad Kelly's game after that. You know, overall, I mean, he played fairly well. I know that Saskatchewan fans, and that's why I don't want to turn on my Twitter right now, are already asking if they can trade for the rights of Chad, Chad Kelly, uh, which, you know, not not over-panicking at all or overthinking things yet. But, uh, no, played what he needed to do, made the throws that he needed to do, and has that ability to run. And he showed it with that 20-yard scamper uh, when they needed it the most after a uh, – kind of a terrible penalty by uh, Brandon Banks for yelling at a ref. So when when the dust settled and everything else, I, I still say that Chad Kelly uh, did what he had to do to get this team into the point of uh, winning a game, and kudos to him. He did what he needed to do as a backup to go in. It's always next man up. He was ready to go, and he proved it. He, got, he essentially got them that last uh, runoff from A.J. Ouellette to get him into the end zone. So... Uh, no, kudos to Chad Kelly. That's that's such a moment where it would be just expected for a backup to come in and falter and, and them to fall just short because of the injury at the last minute there, right? But to his credit, he got it done. And yeah, he didn't light it up, but he didn't need to. And it was a pretty limited amount of time and he put 60-something yards up on the board there. I just do not want this to turn into an off-season debate of, okay, McLeod Bethel-Thompson needs to go. Like People have been saying it in Toronto for years that MBT is not the guy. And, oh, Chad Kelly's the savior, so he should be the starter going into next year. Here's what I'm doing if the Argos, if I'm the Argos for 2023. I'm bringing both of these guys back for another season because MBT had a heck of a year, finished first in the league in passing yards, and uh, he's getting up there in age. He's been in the league for a long time now, right? So, yeah, how many more years is he planning on playing in the CFL? I think you put him out there as a starter and give Chad Kelly another year in this system to develop, and maybe he is your quarterback of the future there. But uh, I, I think at least for the time being, yeah, he's the savior here, uh, the hero, kind of one of the heroes, obviously, on Grey Cup night but I don't think he's ready yet at this point to take over as a starting role. But like you said, Adam, I wouldn't be surprised to see a team like Saskatchewan maybe uh, take a little closer look at this one here. Uh, but speaking of heroes, Mike, the biggest, one of the biggest heroes in this game has to be, I mean, he was the hero, then he was the villain, 
Then he was the hero again at the very final moment. And that's Robbie Smith, who on the Bombers' final drive, got a big sack on second down, put it to third down, gets another sack, a second one. He was flying, it seemed, all day long, too. He was having a great game. Face mask call on that one. Extends the Bombers' drive. They move it down the field more. Mark Laggio kicks the field goal, and it's blocked by Robbie Smith. After... The Bombers just blocked a field goal like a minute earlier. I feel like we see maybe, what, two to three blocked kicks in a season? We saw two within a minute, in the final two minutes of the Grey Cup. Can you, like, how do you sum up the ending here? Because this was maybe one of the most incredible endings, and we've seen a lot in recent years, to a Grey Cup game I've ever seen with two back-to-back block kicks, and all of a sudden Robbie Smith ends up being the hero here. It's interesting, right, because we talked about big games, right, and who's going to make the play in the moment. Um, I, I'll i tell you right now, if this was a regular season game, I feel I feel there would have been no block hits tonight, or maybe one. But all of the hoopla about the Grey Cup and every extra play gets that much more under the magnifying glass. Um, I didn't feel that... I didn't feel that both teams executed the way we've seen them execute in the past. Um, I didn't think they were magnified in a, in a championship game. Um, but again, you know what? It's... We, we talked about unlikely heroes in great top seas. One of them, uh, we find out the Howard brother, but blocked it. Name escapes me here. I mean, Nick or Noah Howard, but yeah, one of the two. I don't know which one. But that, that being said, good, good. Those two guys have been grinders all year, and they finally get the recognition. And guys, special teams. Still an important part of football. Um, and if I have one disappointment about the Blue Bombers, and there will be time for that. There will be time for dissection. It's just not right now. Let's just enjoy what we've been through. Give the Ardos credit. They deserve it. I said it. I had concerns about this matchup coming in. I'm just a little bit surprised that the area that Michael Shea had the most expertise in and takes the most pride in is somewhat what let this football team down. Uh, there were a couple punts tonight that I didn't like from Mark Lideo. Uh I thought they were rugby kits. Uh, Toronto had one touchdown drive, but I thought was as a result of a short field. But at the end of the day, you win as a team, you lose as a team. And that's just the way it's going to go. And whoever has the last messy painting that is of maybe a preschool picture wins the Grey Cup. And that's okay. It's not a perfect picture. And 
Bomber fans have a right to be happy about two straight great Cubs. One thing I learned, and I didn't need any reinforcement about this, just how hard it is to do what the Bombers did. And they were eh, closer than most people want to give them credit to, to three straight. And then we're talking about the drive for four, the drive for four. Let's be perfectly clear here. One loss doesn't define the Blue Bomber season. Heroes are born in championship games. So happy for guys who maybe don't get the credit in an 18-game season, but in one of the biggest games and one of the biggest moments, make the biggest play and credit to Dinwiddie. Because it's easy to say, you know what, dude? You took a 15-yard penalty. You're going to sit on the bench. He didn't do that. He said, go out, continue to play. That is a good coach. And I'm sorry that I discredited everybody and everything that I ever said about Ryan Dinwiddie not being ready to be a CFL coach. Yeah, he got it done. He got it done big time here. Uh, Some decisions along the way looked a little bit dicey when they decided to kick the extra long field goal at the end of the half. And the TSN broadcast even, you know, called it back to when Mario Alford returned to kick right before halftime uh, against them uh, earlier this season. And I thought Janarian Grant was going to do the same. Little did we know he was going to do it just later in the third quarter when he did return a touchdown, which... I think, Adam, you and I were both kind of agreeing. We thought, oh, could this be, you know, what Winnipeg needs to put them over the top? They're never going to look back from here. But the Argos scrapped their way back into this one. And, Mike, you mentioned Grey Cup heroes. It seems championships every single season, championship game. There's guys that we don't necessarily expect, whether it's at the start of the year, middle of the year, whatnot, who step up big time. And we talked about some guys on the defensive side of the ball, but – you would have told me preseason that the Argos are going to win the Grey Cup and their leading receiver in that game is going to be Cameron Phillips. I would have said, who's that, uh, to be honest, because I don't think I knew Cameron Phillips' name preseason. And he had 96 yards on four catches in this one. He was their leading receiver. Big game for him. Uh, Adam, I want to ask you here, because all of the talk coming in was Andrew Harris versus Brady Oliveira. That was the talk of this game at running back, right? And maybe we all discounted A.J. Olette a little bit, who ended up starting as the number one guy on the depth chart uh, for the Argos in this game. Harris had more carries. He had more yards. But when the time crunch came, you expected maybe Harris to get the ball near the end zone, but they put it in Olette's hands and he got two two key touchdowns there. So how big of a game is it for him here? Uh, you know, partially fighting with that notion of, of having Andrew Harris there and then to come out and deliver such a big performance. You know, I think he earned his job maybe for next year is what he did. Um, AJ Olette, I mean, he's been learning more and more every week on how to run the football in a Canadian football game. I mean, but when he started, I remember uh, when Andrew Harris went down, he would just try to run upfield and see what he can get. And it was more of he was trying to get passes from the backfield uh, at the beginning than he was trying to actually just run the ball. And uh, they worked with him and they worked well with him. Uh, it's just depending on what the Argonauts uh, offense again, Ryan Dinwiddie has some sometimes plays where he just doesn't like to run the football very often. So 
credit to Adrian Lett. He did a very good job tonight uh, trying to run those footballs down when he needed to. And uh, also same thing with Andrew Harris. In the first quarter, I think Winnipeg was expecting a long night because Andrew Harris was running those balls pretty much at will almost and getting good eight, nine. One time I think it was 15 yards uh, on a very good Winnipeg defensive line. So I thought for a while there, maybe Andrew Harris, oh boy, here we go. It's Andrew Harris night. And uh, you know what? Good on Toronto. They had a two-headed beast. They used the two-headed uh, effect pretty well, I thought, uh, when they needed to, especially with A.J. Lett being able to run those uh, touchdown uh, drives. He had two of them today. Uh, and on the other side of the football, I think Winnipeg could also maybe go and answer a question for themselves. Brady Oliveira had a great game again tonight. Uh, still had 80-plus yards of rushing. Uh, he would have had a lot more if Winnipeg was a little bit further up in this game, I guarantee it. Uh, they were needing to throw the ball in the end, so that's why they changed their strategy. But AJ or, uh, Brady Oliveira is your next running back in Winnipeg. He'll be there for a while. He's going to be a great running back for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, that being said, could they have ran with him more tonight? Maybe. But he was doing okay. Uh, just in the end, again, they had to go a little bit away from that because they had to start trying to get the ball downfield trying to get that field goal that eventually never happened. But you know what? Uh, I just wanted to bring up also one point quickly on that field goal. I watched it afterwards again. The laces were the wrong way. And uh, Legio actually sidekicked that football. That ball was not going in the end or through the uprights. Uh, it was not a very good kick. And it did get blocked, but it wasn't because of the block that made it mess up. It was going wide to begin with. So... Credit to, uh, again, the Argonauts for winning this one. Uh, the block was a big part of it. But the reason I think they had to give it all, everything over to Hinaku Moamba, that pick pretty much changed complete momentum in this game. Otherwise, it was starting to even aim towards Winnipeg, especially after that Janarian Grant uh, rushing, uh, what do you call it, 102-yard touchdown. Well, I think he's uh, found his way back to the hotel from uh, his big day at Mosaic Stadium here. The great Trey Colbeck is here in the studio with us. Trey, are you there? I think you're there. How, how is it going, Trey? All considering, I'm pretty good. All considering, pretty good, boys. <clears throat> well, let's get your thoughts on things. We've been chatting about it here for half an hour. Uh, big... Big last-minute uh, stop there on the field goal by the Argos to get it done. You got to see it fr firsthand, you know, pretty close to the field there. What do you make of the outcome of this football game? And the, with the most respect, Legio is ass. Like, I can't with that guy anymore. The Bombers need better kicking. That is what it, it came down to, the missed field goal. And, I yes, it was a blocked field goal at the end there, but if Legs got that, PAT earlier wouldn't have been an issue, right? I don't know. Like I, I was, I was right there, right in front. Legio was right in front with of me, uh, doing his uh, warming up all day. I don't know why he couldn't. His punts seemed off. His kickoff seemed shorter than usual. Everything just seemed off with Legio. So I don't know if it was like cold weather. I don't know if it was the stress. I don't know. I don't know. And I'm not trying to harp on one guy. I doubt he's watching our podcast. So I'm sure he doesn't care what some ginger kid says. But, you know, I, I honestly wanted Westwood. That's all I could think of all day. I was like, I will take Westy over this crap. That's all I could think of for about three hours. Other than that, I got, you know, I get full credit to Winnipeg. They won a gritty game. 
wasn't a flashy game. No passing yards from Winnipeg in the first quarter, which was like, what the heck? And, you know, Grant did everything he could to keep it in it. The defense did everything they could keep uh, do to keep Winnipeg in it. Just wasn't enough. Offense couldn't get going. Congrats to Toronto and their fans. Right. And to wait, to all the Ryder fans screaming, Bombers suck, make the playoffs. Make the playoffs first, and then you can scream, Bombers suck. Can't make the playoffs? Don't sit there and give me that, right? Don't sit there and scream at me that we suck. We were one point away from a three-peat. Where were you? You have no quarterback right now. You have no offensive line right now. You have no coaching right now. I know Adam's laughing. It's not directed at you. You've been the nicest Ryder fan to me this week. All the other Ryder fans. And the idiot Bomber fan who started the wave third quarter. Idiot Bomber fan. Starts the wave third quarter when we're up by four. What happens? Every time. Every time. time. I turn around and point it at her. Sit the bleep down. And then guess what? She puts her jacket on and tries to hide after we lost. (laughs) I still know what you look like whatever it's always the wave it's the wave every time uh there uh, it seems to be uh you it, know it what? was what? secretly started by a rider fan <laughs> yeah maybe that's what it was uh let's talk about the winnipeg side here a little bit more because we've talked about what toronto did well to pull out the win in this one but uh let's go to you here adam what what did the bombers do not well enough the you know 15 and 3 season this is now the same thing that Hamilton did back in 2019, right? Big, big regular season, record tying, record breaking regular season. Doesn't seem to be able to get it done in the big game for a team that we've seen is still relatively intact from the last two years. Um, that has been able to get it done in the big game. Why couldn't they do it today? I think there's two things. One, the defense did a lot of good for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. The secondary stood up. I think Brandon Alexander had a great game. Uh, but what I looked at was uh, guys like Willie Jefferson and all, they couldn't get the pressure in the second half like they did in the first half. Uh, they were getting some movement around, and I know that they uh, – I think what happened was, especially when Chad Kelly came into the game, they had to respect his running ability a little bit more, and they pulled back off of the pressure on to Chad Kelly a little bit. They had that second down play where they knocked the ball down. Uh, Willie could have caught himself a pick six there almost. But uh, I think that he just didn't get that uh, extra pressure on uh, after that. They were they were thinking, well, either he's going to start throwing. Then all of a sudden that big 15 or 20-yard scamper happened. And then all of a sudden they had to respect the run game. Winnipeg was not sure what was going to happen with Chad Kelly in there. That helped the, uh, uh, the Argonauts get that extra touchdown. Um, the other part on it too – the passes from Zacharos were good. Uh, it just seemed like there was a lot of drops. And th- this is to be said with the Argonauts, too. I mean, Devaris Daniels was fighting the ball a bit. Uh, Brandon Banks was fighting the ball. But uh, so was Dalton Schoen. And uh, you looked at it here. You didn't see any really guy get into it much for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the passing game. Yes, Greg Ellingson was open for one pass. But after that, he really didn't do a whole lot other than that. Rasheed Bailey, same thing. One pass. Had a pretty good play, but that was about it. Um, and I think they overcomplicated it a little bit as well. You ran Nick Dembski. You weren't giving the ball to Brady Oliveira in the end, but you were going and doing jet sweeps with uh, Nick Dembski, which to me, when you're down, you can't really run as many uh, plays like that as far as I'm concerned. 
So those were the couple things I seen. But again, the Bombers did play a pretty good game. It just, in the end, a one-point thing and a bad kick and a bad uh, miss and uh, block was essentially all it was. Yeah, and and exactly, and it came it came down to it right at the end, you know, despite some inefficiencies there. Uh, Mike, one thing when we were chatting earlier on uh, that you were saying you were disappointed with the Bombers is not sticking with the run game at the end of the game. Uh, what 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 was wrong there, in your opinion? Well, you know, number one, you have a quarterback that isn't healthy. Uh, number two. You have a lot of short uh, down-to-goal distances, uh, you know, and that kind of picks up one of my pet peeves in the first half was there was a couple second and fives, second and threes, second and fours, where, you know, you decide to throw the ball when you clearly have a, a running back that can, you know, get you a couple first downs to win a couple games, win a, you know, extend a couple drives. Um, it, it just, it seemed to me the Bombers went away from conventional wisdom, almost to catch the art of napping, almost a reverse psychology in a way. You know this is coming. But we're going to change it up to try to fool you. Well, sometimes you have success with what works. And my big issue is you went away from what works. Uh, I, I think my bigger annoyance is my, my bigger annoyance is we can debate this all we want. The Dakota Pro Crop interception, there's no need for that type of throw. I understand you're trying to catch them off guard, but this trying to emulate the Chris Traveler package because it worked in 2019 is not a good way to go. Um, sure, people will tell me, you know, Mike, that interception worked just as well as a punt based on field position. The Bombers should have stuck to their game, which is an offensive line, but we know can get the job done. You had a seven-minute drive to get a touchdown. It worked. Why did you go away from it? Why did you all of a sudden have to decide But when the game was on the line, you put it on a quarterback that had a walkie ankle. The first play after the block field goal is a long interception by Talaros, and I don't know where he's throwing the ball. You made things a little more difficult than they needed to be. My question is why? Why? You were 15 and 3, simplicity by simply being. The better football team. You outfought yourselves tonight. You basically probably almost pulled one out, but didn't. It sucks. Am I angry? Am I disappointed? That uh, can be for you to decide. 
but I just don't get it. You're 15 and three. You didn't play like it tonight. You didn't say we are the better football team. We are going to push you around, and we are going to win this game. Didn't happen. Didn't win the game. As the saying goes. Yeah, they. Uh, you're absolutely right there, Mike, uh, that they uh, didn't get it done. And there were some offensive inefficiencies there that, that led to that. Uh, you know, Trey, you've talked a lot all season uh, about the play calling for the Bombers, a little more on the defensive side, but also a bit on the offensive side of, of it uh, as well. Uh, what did you think about the, the play calling here for Winnipeg? I just want to piss Mike off. So why they went to Prukop? Because he's a better quarterback than Strebler. That's why I think Prukop's a way better quarterback than Strebler is. So, and that's, and that's coming from I, me. I, who I, I, for me so I could use that for yeah, I know. That's, that's coming from me, who is the chairman of the Strebler Hall of Fame committee. And I think Prukop is not, maybe not an overall package, but that run and gun. Second and third, second and four, third and two. I'm way more confident with Prukop being in there than I was with Strevy. And same with the throws. So that that's I just like pissing Mike off because I still I'm still so happy how I pissed him off about how home field doesn't matter a couple weeks ago or last week. So I will talk about that later. But yeah, I I I don't think the play call was my problem. It was the execution. I think the offense. Uh, Sean had one or two that could have been touchdowns. There's a couple of shorter throws. There's a couple run plays that got stuffed at the line. Things that, you know, any other week could have been a big touchdown. You know what I mean? So I'm not too choked up about play call. But Janarian Grant, baby. Janarian Grant. I Every time they lined up for a kick, I screamed, take it to the house, Janarian. And the one time he did, I looked like the smartest guy in the section, right? You know, and it was unreal. And then Toronto almost went and took one back, like, what, a couple minutes later? So, whatever. But I don't know. This is a weird one. This is what I hate about the champ. Like, I, we, can, we can argue about this. But in hockey and basketball and baseball, you got a best of seven. The best team's going to rise to the top. This would have been game one. Blue Bombers lose by one. They come back next next game. Probably give the shellac into Toronto for four straight, right? But in football, you got one game. And we didn't win. We didn't do what we needed to do. I don't blame it on Prukop. I don't blame it on Caleros. I don't blame it on one specific guy. Legio, I blame it on, but that's a different reason. Ah, I don't know. You asked me about play call. I wasn't that choked up about it. They didn't. I agree with the, like, I think Adam said about the sweeps. I don't know why they were doing the sweeps. You kept getting stuffed with them. Why are you doing it? They did a great cup last year, too, in 2021. And I feel like Dembski ended up with, like, five carries for negative two yards. I mean, it, it you, you're playing poker, and you're literally showing the cards like this. Hey, I'm doing this every play. I'm doing this. I got double aces, guys. And I didn't get it. You know, we we, we I understand Lapo's still not, uh, it's not there. But we have the Lapo defense or offense, sorry, still there with Buck. Like he got the same kind of things. Mix it up, boys. Mix it up. We, we did the same thing. Schoen, Dembski, and Oliveira. You needed to mix it up a little bit. I, I was, I was honestly saying we, we were, uh, what was it like the third and goal? I said, give it to Mike Miller again. When did we do that this year? Guess what? We did that one time, 
and we got the points in fantasy. Give it to Mike Miller. Do something crazy. You know, put Willie Jefferson out there. This is the gray freaking cup. Do something different. The Bombers did everything that they did to make them 15-3. and three. Toronto knew that. They went cards. I got double aces, boys. Try to stop me. And we stopped them. Toronto stopped them by saying, ah, guess what? I got a full house, like, you know, sucker. And that's how it worked. So, you know, let's just move it on to the next topic because I – I, I'm just I'm just like I'm I don't think the boys I think the complacency came into place. They kept saying we're not complacent, we're not complacent, first in, first out. They look complacent out there. So let's just move on to the next one. Yeah, I mean let's talk we've talked through a lot of things from the game itself here, but if we look at the team that won a championship, the Argos season here, a couple notable guys winning championships. Uh Jagarrett Davis, six straight years in the Grey Cup, only one win previously, uh, when he won one with Calgary. Uh, you know, back back losses the last two years for him. Really, I think it was a yeah, what, a three, four year losing streak in a row. He gets one done here. Uh, Andrew Harris completes the three-peat, three straight championships for Andrew Harris after two with the Bombers, gets one with the Argos here. Brandon Banks finally gets his Grey Cup win, although he he did take a stupid penalty in this one and, and almost get injured and almost, you know, perhaps uh, be a detriment to it at times, but he gets it done. He gets his revenge on the Bombers here as well. I mean, you can go through the list. There's a number of notable others. Henoch Mwamba, we talked about him earlier being a notable one here. Uh, let's go to you here, Adam. Uh, what do you think it means? I mean, I mean, obviously the championship means a lot to everybody, but especially to these guys, that, you know, these veterans, where are some of these guys, do you see some of these guys perhaps hanging up the cleats after this and going for the storybook ending? You know, I wouldn't blame some of them if they do, because, I mean, you look at a guy like Enoch Mwamba. I mean, he came to Saskatchewan hoping he could win a great cup. He went to Toronto doing the same thing. He's been in Winnipeg before that trying to win a great cup and just seems like he's either just a little too late or just in the not quite in the right time to get there. And also with Montreal, it was the same way. And finally, finally, after 11 years, the man has won himself a great cup. He won himself an MOP and he won himself the MOC. I mean, if there's ever a time to possibly say that you left on top of your game, there it is. I mean, he's won every award that you can win in the Grey Cup. So kudos to him and his family. I hope that they, uh, I honestly hope that Enoch Mwamba rides off into the sunset. And uh, I, I don't know if there's any unfinished business for him. An absolutely amazing career if he does. Same thing also with Andrew Harris. He's had injury issues now for the last two, three years. Has not been 100%, uh, even in this great cup here. I mean, as much as everybody wanted to say Andrew Harris is 100% ready to rumble, it didn't look like it. I mean, he had a few good runs at the beginning of the game, but looked like he tired out quickly. If he walks off into the sunset, I mean, he's walking off as a three-time champion, a four-time champion, I should say. He won one also with the BC Lions. Uh, has won uh, various awards, won the Canadian Bowl, which everybody doesn't quite get to say that very often, has been the most outstanding player, has been the most outstanding offensive uh, player a few times, uh, has just pretty much won any award that there is to win. Uh, so again, if this is the end for Andrew Harris, and I, again, 100% hope that uh, maybe it might be because he can retire and call himself a champion and walk out on top, I don't blame him one bit for that as well. Uh, another guy that you mentioned there, Jagera Davis. Uh, I hope that for him, uh, I hope he doesn't retire in all honesty. And none of these guys, if they don't want to retire, I hope they have another successful year next year. 
But if Jagarrett Davison doesn't want to retire yet here, I hope he gets traded to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. There's no reason behind that whatsoever. Uh, but you know what? Again, another guy that's had a great career overall. Uh, has I'm well known. I remember him in Hamilton um, running shop usually over there. And uh, just a great uh, player again. Uh, I could see him walking as well, as well maybe with a retirement uh, you never know. Maybe these guys want to come back for another season, and I hope they do. They're fun to watch in the CFL, but if they don't, they've had a career that they can hang their hat on pretty uh, pretty comfortably, I think. Anybody else that I, that you guys can think of for retiring? I think you touched on most of the main guys. Obviously, it's those big ones that, uh, you know, those veterans they brought in in the offseason for this purpose of, you know, and you talked about it all season long, I think, that, right, Trey, that uh, this is when it was going to pay dividends to bring these types of guys in is uh, maybe not early in the season, but down the stretch. Oh, yeah, but I got to say, Brandon Banks, you need to shut up, man. Your your team's winning, and then you give up a penalty like that? Like, that's not veteran stuff, man. That's not veteran. Like, you need to be the leader on that team. And honestly, like, if Winnipeg ended up making that field goal, you could sit there and point at Brandon Banks on that penalty all day. And I was not a fan of that. I'm like, you've been in this league for how many years? You know the refs. You know what you should or should or not say. And you go and get a penalty for lipping off? Yeah. That's not a good look, man. If I'm Toronto and how many arguments they've had on the sidelines and stuff, yeah, you won the cup, but you got to look at that stuff. Does Pinball want that in his locker room? That doesn't sound like a Pinball locker room to me, man. And, like, again, Winnipeg, we, they lost. They lost. But did you see players slipping off? You see players fighting on the sidelines? No. That's the difference. And I'll give it to them. Speedy B did his, what he needed to do. But, yeah, you, you got to watch that. We all play sports. We all watch hockey. We all watch football. Me and Mike have watched hockey together. We've all watched football together. You can't do that lippy stuff. Man, if that's my kid, I'm be hanging him off the field and say, you don't talk to the ref like that, right? And Speedy B's mom needs to get out there with a the wooden spoon and say, you don't, walk, you don't talk to the ref that way. That's 15 yards you did not need. So I'm, I'm really disappointed in that, but they played a good game. I just uh, want to quickly bring it up there. Uh, yeah, if uh, Brandon Banks' mom shows up on a field with a wooden spoon, I will bet that one just to the house because I guarantee that would probably get some pretty good odds on that one. Yeah. But uh, you're right ball, you're about that point, though, that you were saying about Brandon Banks, oh, my gosh, I could not believe. Like, you could see the ref, like he had his hand on his, on his, on his flag, and Brandon Banks just kept going. He's like, okay, enough of you, and throws it. Like it was clear and obvious what was going to happen, and I was like, "Yep, here it comes." And yeah, sure I was talking enough, about like what a, was what a about, move. Yeah, sorry, I was talking about with some fans. We all know the players that do it. You see, player like if you're at a game, you see the players that nap 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 nap. Fajardo kind of does it, and guess where he is? Probably not in Saskatchewan. See, Brandon Banks does it. Guess what? He's not in Hamilton anymore. They're probably sick of it. You see these players, and this is the CFL. I think there's a uh, literally like a different level of tolerance on that stuff here that maybe you get in those leagues that pay you a few millions of dollars. It's like, Hey, we're all, we're all getting like the rest are like, Hey man, I make more than you. So shut up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like some of these rest and those rookies, we don't want to hear you from you. It's just, it's just how it is. Right. But I, I was just really disappointed in that. Like I expect better from a guy like Brandon Banks is that guy that you could put on. Like, you know, he's, he could be a guy that could be on Fantouche flag stereo. You know what I mean? He's been in the league for how long? He's the guy on the chips. He's the guy that you, if you had trading cards, you're trying to get. You know, like, 
I just that's not a penalty you want in that game. Like I said, if, if Legio made that kick, we'd be sitting here talking about how Banks screwed Toronto out of a great cup, and how tr- the only cup that Toronto's going to get is whenever the Leafs decide to win, right? Like that's what we would be talking about. Instead, we're here sitting talking about how Banks it should be like praying to every god known to man how lucky he is, and I just I really was disappointed in that. That's all. Yeah. And the halftime, yeah. when you guys talk about it, I want to throw it out here. Halftime. As a country boy, unreal. Un-freaking-real. I don't care how you want to complain about it. They did a great – the only thing I hated was how it was up on the uh, south end there or north end or whatever it is. I don't like that. It should be center field. Other than that, amazing. As a country boy, they did great. Half of Florida Georgia line was great. The other two guys, great. Everything was great. The bus system sucked crap, but Winnipeg would be worse, so it's okay. <laughs> Yeah, let's not start comparing uh, bus systems. I don't think Winnipeg's top tier when it comes my, to any of that. My joke would have been we would have been to our destination quicker, but we might have got mugger stuff. That's all. <laughs> um, Adam talked a little bit before about guys that might retire on the Argos side. Uh, let's go to you here, Mike. The the Bombers, you know, they win back-to-back. They go for the three-peat. Everybody's talking dynasty here. You potentially maybe have some guys on the roster that, uh, you know, could be close to the retirement age, but uh, wanted to come back, try to do it one more time. You see any guys here on the Winnipeg side that could be sailing off into the sunset uh, after this loss? And uh, I guess the question is for the Bombers, like, is this the end of the the three-peat well, obviously, it's the end of the three-peat, but the, so to say, dynasty, are we looking at potentially a much different team, or are they going to find a way to bring them all back again for one more try next year? No. Um, guys, I think we have a completely different discussion if the Bombers win this game. I think there's one or two retirements, and I've been, I think they try to run this thing back one more time. Um, I have it on... Good intel that a significant amount of blue bombers already have contract extensions in the drawer already agreed to. I don't believe that changes with this one loss. Can I ask something, Mike, real quick? You always say you have intel. Who is it? You're like, I, oh, I got intel. I got intel. I you say it for the Jets. You say it for the bombers. You say it for everyone. I got intel. He's got connections, man. We get sources, Mike. I can't. If you're talking Adams Gophers out in the field, that means nothing. Hey, my Gophers are reliable sources of information. I'm not at liberty to tell anybody my sources. Text me later. Text me later. Long way to go. But uh, that being said, no, I I think, you know, the only guys that I would really maybe question are the likes of Brandon Alexander, perhaps. you know, you wonder about some guys on the offensive line, even though, you know, they're on the younger side. Uh, some of them with Dobson and Gray, <laughs> excuse me, and Gray and those types of guys. Um, you know, Stanley Bryant looks like a guy that is rejuvenated winning his award there this week, and congrats to him. Doesn't really look like a guy that's going to retire. I'm just going to quickly... Lee best for you. And Winnipeg Radio personality from CHBN 95.1 FM, Mike Tom points this out. The Bobbers have never three-peated in their history. 
But you know what they've done? They've won four Ray Cups out of five seasons with legendary coach Bud Grant from 1958 to 1962. They won two years in a row and lost in the Western Final in 1960, and won two more years in a row. So, might this Can be... Can I counter the, something? Sorry. Might this, might this be evil, the evil, reset? Sorry. Who knows? But the other side that I think we have to be very confident of, if we worked under the assumption that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers will host the Great Cup, in two years from now, not next year, not the year after, but the year after, there would certainly perhaps have to be a core reset. And the question is, how how far, how deep does that look at that point in time? And what does your roster look if you're going to attempt to win that Drake Cup at home, which has been difficult to do, has been done. Um, Guys, and, and and there was a comment here. The main thing is for the Bombers is if Michael Shea is staying, uh, I would expect to get clarity on that in the next 10 days to two weeks. Um, I think the answer is yes. Uh, yes, 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 and yes. Um, Michael Shea doesn't like to talk about himself. The one thing here is I'm... Um, Kind of running out of thoughts because they're all kind of scrambling together here, which is fine. But if you do get a chance, go to the Blue Bomber social media, watch Michael Shea's acceptance speech on the Coach of the Year award. Um, the man of very few words in most cases, at least publicly to the media, had a lot to say and a lot of thanks and a lot of accolades to hand out. Bomber Nation, we may have lost, but we will be back, and we will be back because of Michael Shea, and we will be back because this fan base has invigorated itself. And as I always say, one loss doesn't define a season. Let's run this thing back. It is so easy to, given the amount of free agents in the CFL, you lose somebody to plug somebody in. I bet you there's a lineup of free agents waiting to play for Michael Shea should somebody decide to retire. Bombers have the number one odds to win the Drake Cup next year. That no accident. I mean, that's not surprising, right? That they that they would go back and put them uh, number one in the odds makers for next year. Um yeah, Mike O'Shea himself, I think, brings a lot of uh, potential people wanting to play for him with his coaching style. You know, he really believes in his guys, and uh, he brings the best out of them a lot of times. Uh, but I think things will potentially look different for this team going into next year. I mean, you certainly can't keep everyone. They came close to doing that this past season, but, uh, you know, guys are going to want raises. Guys are going to want to go off to different places. Adam, let's go to you here. What do you th- uh, give us the outsider perspective? You're the only one that's not uh, a fan of the blue and gold here. So, uh, what do you see changing for this team this offseason? And I guess starting off, there's a question uh, from Richard in the chat uh, Dalton Schoen going south? Well, I think he's going to get an opportunity. I mean, if he's got his option right, which is usually one thing in the two year deal that most guys sign. 
Uh, he may have an option. I'm not sure if he does. If he does, yeah, he's going to take a shot because I'm sure there's an NFL team looking for a guy like Dalton Schoen. Uh, I would be very surprised if he isn't. Uh, I think the biggest thing, though, you're right, is um, Mike O'Shea in this team right now. Uh, I think the guy wants to eventually become one that can maybe have a little more autonomy, uh, possibly maybe even a general manager's role, or maybe he wants to move up in the right ranking. An NFL team may even maybe be thinking about Mike O'Shea. Uh, you never know. He's a free agent now. I mean, uh, CFL rules and coaching doesn't mean I think it's the end of the season that they're all employed till until the free agency essentially opens up unless the guy's under uh, team and it's another CFL team. I think they have to ask permission or something like that. I know Saskatchewan's doing with the offensive line, but nevertheless, I think a lot of things hinge around Michael Shea first uh, from what I could see from the outsiders uh, point of view. Uh, see what happens with Michael Shea. Uh, Kyle Walters will be there for quite a while. Uh, same thing also. Uh, I think that they have a pretty solid uh, coaching staff there right now in Winnipeg. That's all not going to change unless something changes with Mike O'Shea, which, again, I'm saying there's probably like a 10% chance of that happening. So uh, there's not much of one. But just for those that want to say that you're telling me there's a chance, I'm just going to say it for that. But, um, no, they've got lots of questions going ahead. I mean, Nick Dembski's needing another new deal. Uh Willie Jefferson, I mean, the talk to him going to Edmonton will be nonstop and constant because Chris Jones is there. Uh, we're going to have other guys. Again, Jackson Jeffcoat's been a little banged up this year. He maybe might be thinking about something else. I doubt it, but you never know. Um, the only other guys that I would think maybe you might want to take a look at, though, uh, one is Stanley Bryant. I mean, he was walking back to that huddle very slowly all day. I mean, to me... He's banged up a bit. I mean, it could be just injury now, but wonder if he has the motivation. I think he does. And most of these offensive lines have a big motor. They want to come back and they want to prove the prove the doubters wrong. However, the guy's won four offensive linemen of the year. He's won two great cups. He's won a pile of accolades. He might be one of those guys as well that might just say enough. It, I mean, after a while, when you're getting pounded around and pushed around and everything else. Even if you're winning those battles after a while, it's like, uh, I don't know. And uh, I mean, we've had that issue in Saskatchewan before. I mean, you look at a guy like Brendan Labatt or uh, even uh, another guy, Ben Heenan. I mean, he just said, I'm going farming. The heck with you. So, I mean, anything can happen in the offseason. Offseasons are weird. Uh, but again, I could see Winnipeg keeping most of this team together. They're going to go on another run. We know they will. They're going to try to keep this going. Uh one loss ain't going to go and pull them out or uh, make them decide to end like to blow this thing up because I mean, you were what one, one hand away from the gray cup. I mean, essentially. So to me, they're going to go for another run. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them be contenders uh, for at least another year, maybe even two years. Uh, Trey, is there anything on the bombers that you can see maybe changing for next year? You guys are way too high on this team. Way too high. Stanley Bryant's, what, 35, 36? It's not like they're mid-30s. Uh, Yoshi's mid-30s. His kids were sitting right in front of me. You're telling me, and he's pointing at them at the game. Those two guys got way better things to do than be coming up to Winnipeg every summer. You know what I mean? Like, I don't – maybe they'll come back, but even if they do, do we really want old linemen that old? Like, I love them. Like, personally, I love them. I love what they've done, but you got to look at that. There's only one Tom Brady. We all can't be Tom Brady out there, right? You know, and then Caleros is mid thirties. 
who knows what that ankle is? I hurt my ankle playing football 10 years ago, and it still messes with me to this day. You don't know what that's like. Oliveira barely did anything until like late in the season, and then he ended up having a thousand yards. Jefferson's getting old. Jeff uh, Thomas is getting old. Jeff Coat's getting old. The Ben not break defense. Yeah, O'Shea might stay, but he might not have a team to do. Like you guys are so Michael, Mike, 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 Mike. You're doing the same thing with the Bombers you do with the Jets, and you're right with the Jets so far. But I don't think you're going to be right about both. You know, lightning doesn't strike twice, Mike. There's only one horseshoe up your butt. And it's going to be the Jets, not the Bombers, man. I, I, I just, I like again. I'll fully admit, I'm the biggest homer. I want them to go 18 and 0 every year. I want them to win the cup every year. Like who doesn't? Like Adam wants the Riders to do it. Everyone in our chat wants their team to do it. If you're looking at it as a CFL, BC, if Rourke stays, if they can keep Rourke, they're better. Saskatchewan is going to want to be better. Calgary is going to want to be better. Edmonton's going to want to be better. And Winnipeg can't even beat the freaking East. And you're telling me they have a chance next year? Four teams in the West are going to get better, and the East always beats us. There's no way in hell, Mike, the Bombers are going to be competitive next year, man. There's no way. We're going to be fighting for the crossover with the Rough Riders, man. That's where I see it. BC, if they keep Rourke in all their lineup. they're scary Calgary was what a touchdown away from beating them in the west semis Saskatchewan if they get if they can get bow and an old line it's over and Edmonton's got to get better like there's no way Chris Jones is gonna have a sucky team for two years right like we're I'm not saying 29 years but I think that maybe the three of us bomber fans might start one us preparing for what Adam's been going through that's all I'm saying and I would, I, again, I'm gonna, I'd rather bet on that and then the Bombers surprise me than think, oh, the Bombers are going to be in it again next year with Mike. And then the Bombers just make me cry like they did from when I was born until 2019, right? So that's I, – Mike, I love you, Mike, and I love your optimism. I wish I could have that optimism, but I'm a Bomber fan. I didn't see a great cup my whole life till 20 freaking 19, like the other two of you. And you're sitting there being like, oh, they're going to do it again. They could go 40 years. They could go another 40 years without winning, man. Hamilton's doing it right now. You're really telling me that Winnipeg, like, you really think that we're going to be better than BC, Calgary, Saskatchewan again next year? You'll I mean, I'll jump, I'll jump in here on this one and say that, First of all, I think there are merits to a lot of what you're saying there, Trey, that the other teams in the West are going to get better this offseason. Uh, but I'm still definitely want to clip this so I can play it next season uh, in the case where you're wrong. This is uh, this is East team crosses over to the West all over again, perhaps. Um, we saw that prediction went. Um, but at the same time, yeah, they might take a step back. I agree with you. I thought they were going to take a step back going into this season uh, as well. And they still found a way to do even better than the year before. Um, Even if they take a step back, they're still going to compete for one of those top couple spots in the West. And then it's one, two games and you're out into the gray cup. I'm not saying I'm taking the bombers right now to go back to the gray cup next year, but I'm saying they can still be, even if they take a slight regression, the same, you know, the same competitive level as other teams out there. 
I don't want to interrupt anybody, but this is my point. Mike said, that, oh, the Bombers are going to get free agency, scout this, scout that, scout this. All What, what was Willie Jefferson's pregame little video? Everyone hates Winnipeg. You think the top free agents are going to want to come here? I don't think so. We're turning into the freaking Maple Leafs, man. We're turning into that team nobody really wants to come to. And all the other veterans and other great players in the other eight teams, they're going to go create a Dever team somewhere else. And I just don't see it. And maybe you can convince some of those idiot American players to come up to Winnipeg. But you're not going to convince, like, I'm not saying Brandon Banks, but those kind of players going forward, they're not going to want to come here. They hate us. They hate us, man. But if you join them, they're not the enemy anymore. That's the I don't care. Thing. Do you really want to join Darth Vader? Really? I mean, don't I mean, ask me that. I don't know anything cool. about Star Wars. It sounds cool. It, the it, dark it, side's it, got it, cookies. Trey, Trey, I'll point it out to you like this. Simone Lawrence is a free agent this year. If all of a sudden the Saskatchewan Rough Riders go and buy Simone Lawrence, I mean, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Riders go after Simone Lawrence. Could you imagine the chaos? I, I thought you were going to say come to Winnipeg. If he comes to Winnipeg, I'm selling my tickets. Like... <laughs> No, I won't go that far because you'll clip that in an April when he signs here. I can't go to the Bomber game next year. But, like, that's what I mean. You really think those guys want to come to Winnipeg? Yes. Why? Why would you you not want to play for Mike O'Shea? Let's go to you, Mike. Look at KD. Look at KD in the NBA. Do you think him winning in Golden State means anything? No, it doesn't. It would have meant way more if he went to a different team and beat Golden State. These guys want to go to Toronto. They want to go to Saskatchewan. They want to go to Calgary, BC. Dethrone the champions. That adds to their legacy. More than joining Darth Vader and the Death Star actually blowing up all the planets. Here's well, with that calculation, nobody will want to join Toronto. So they just won the cup. Oh, Toronto. Don't get me started. Toronto would be the easiest. You get to live in a big city and you got 10,000 people who care. Where you come to Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, Calgary, whatever, you got 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 100,000 people who care. But I don't I don't see it. I don't see this. Again, I am the most cynical guy in the world. I try. Here, here's, my, here's my thing, uh, Trey. My team was one win away from winning senior playoffs last year. And I got players that want to come on my team this year because they want that opportunity. One goal away. The, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are one hand not getting up in the air from winning a Grey Cup. you telling me that people don't want to join a team that's one hand away from a Grey Cup? To me, I, w- I could see a lot of people teams wanting to sign up for that. They've still got the coach, I guarantee. I mean, like I said, Mike O'Shea ain't going nowhere, right? Let's all agree. Well, I agree with that. that. I agree with that. Okay? But, I, I, but again, you've got the, one of the best coaching staffs in the league. You've got a brand new stadium. Winnipeg's a fun place to hang out in. And the fans really care about their game. That there would make most players want to sign a deal in Winnipeg. Don't give me that. Don't give me that stadium thing because I'll tell you, there's no home field advantage. Like, I don't, don't feel the value of the training facilities, the setup for the rooms, all that adds to it. If you're going to Winnipeg, nice have you been to Winnipeg, Adam? Have you I, been to Winnipeg? Oh, I've been to IGF. Like, come on, man. I'm just saying, though, it's still a nice stadium compared to go and play in Calgary right now. Go play in McMahon Stadium, see what that's like. It ain't that fun. I, I want to jump in here and uh, and go to you, Mike. Uh, you know, Trey, Trey's called, uh, you know, uh, talked a little bit back on, on what you said earlier. 
Uh, what do you make of this all? Now, when I said run it back, Trey, when I said run it back, I didn't mean 15 and 3. You can get in the playoffs in week 21 and make a run. The Argos did not have a great start to the year. They had a great finish. But I'll tell you something. Any team that has Zach Kalaros on it and an offensive line and a receiving core and a defensive core like what we have is to be taken seriously. We are in that net of the woods now. What used to be Calgary? Oh, Calgary is the big titan. Winnipeg had to jump over Calgary. Calgary lost multiple great cups in our scenario. In fact, they lost one to Ottawa. I watched the classic game. One game does not spell atomic bomb going through a franchise. We are one field goal away from winning the great cup. Take a breath. Relax. Mike, Mike. No, sorry. I, I hate to interrupt. I hate to interrupt. But you're telling me if they got rid of Bo last year, don't you think that team would be way better? If Calgary – or are you kidding me? They got rid of Bo's salary last year and they could implement other things to help improve Mayer? I I honestly, after Caleros' thing today, I would have been okay if he didn't sign that contract. I'm going to tell you that right now. I, I wouldn't go with Drew Brown maybe. But I would look at Bo, Fajardo, uh, look around. I'm not saying they couldn't sign Kalaros. But after his performance today, without throwing a single yard in the first quarter in the biggest game of the year, oh, I would go, I would, I would take a step back and be like, maybe we shouldn't have given this guy 650000 for three years. I'm just in saying. In a league where the quarterbacks around the league did hardly anything this season, you have a guy that's lost, what, six football games in two and a half years where he went on to win MOP two championships and fell just short in another one. You're willing to take a chance on moving on from him. How many did he win? How many did he win? Uh, the, I don't know the exact number, but he was certainly an integral part in a lot of them. Really? Look at his stats, man. He's like, he, he Tom Brady's it. How many games did Tom Brady really win for the Patriots and the Bucks? Not many. He's a good guy that you want when you're down by a, like a touchdown to tie it up or get the win, but he's not winning many games throughout the year. He sits back and lets, oh man, I, this is going to be a crazy offseason. I can't with you guys. I love you guys. I love it. And I've been drinking since 9 a.m., so maybe <laughs> this is the greatest time. But, oh, my God, we could go on for three hours about this because I disagree with wait, this guy, this guy. Adam's my best friend right now. He, I don't know. I, I think even Adam like, disagrees with you. I think you're the odd man out on this I, one. That's right? okay with me because, like I said, if the Bombers end up going 9-9 nine and nine next year and maybe making fourth or third, that's on par to me. They went out there and got par. They're not make. They're not first. They're not second. Maybe third. But I know what Mike's saying. Oh, it's the CFL. They did it in 2019. How many times does the teams really go on a run? Like you know what I mean. Like how many how many third place teams won this year, Mike? None. Who who was in the Great Cup? Both first place teams. 
The buy matters. Home field. Well, ah, home field doesn't matter. <laughs> First place matters. But the buy matters. Home field, I really don't think because you really. I bet BC would have won this game. If BC beat us, they would have won this game. So I, I'm just, I'm not a big fan of Winnipeg and where the, we're hitting that. We're hitting what Saskatchewan did. Saskatchewan was on a big roll. Beat Calgary was on a big roll. We're at the top here. And it's going to be like, oh, all those people were promising money now. They're washed up. They're bums. They're going to be too old. I think we're looking for Drew Willie stage right now. We're looking for all that stage right now. I, I don't care. I don't care. You can clip this. Put it on TikTok. Put it everywhere. But when I'm right, when I'm right, then you play this. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how to respond anymore. Yeah. No. I got nothing. I'll else text you, Mike. I'll call you, man. That's okay. <laughs> I, I don't got anything else on this. I think we we got to just wait and dissect this more into the offseason here on the Bombers. Uh, on the Argos side of things, I mean, they got it done. The same. What, One final thought on the Argos here in the Grey Cup. As, as this game was going on, I got the same vibe I got from that win they had over Calgary in 2018. Of It was the exact same type of football game where... And it was really what they did all season. Trot uh, Boris Beattie out there for, you know, four or five field goals in a game. But uh, the defense gets it done. They make a big play when they need to uh, to get the, the win. And it's the exact same. It's deja vu and the Argos are champions here yet again. Uh, any final thoughts on the Grey Cup game itself? I do want to ask you guys uh also you know trey adam you guys got to spend some time at the uh at the gray cup festival a little bit this week uh adam let's go to you here uh what was that experience like you know it was excellent actually uh went in on friday afternoon and uh got to hang out with a few guys over uh from all different sorts of podcasts and uh all sorts of different from all over twitter all sorts of personalities uh it was nice to go to something like that while twitter still exists everybody was worried that night that twitter might be gone by the time the event ends luckily it didn't so the great cup tweet up the guys that put that on i think it was janice and some of the great cup fun police well done great event uh little packed but that was fun that was about 157 people in a 135 person venue so uh the lancaster is definitely uh real real busy that night uh but real fun event as well uh the actual shows around lots of them were all sorts of awesome i mean the team parties it was very very well set up by the organizing committee for the great cup festival they have a great building for it riderville was set up it was massive uh, they were expecting, I think, probably some more people to come down because, you know, Ryder fans like to party because why not? Usually we have something to celebrate. Maybe not as much this year, but that's not the point. Uh, kudos to the Atlantic Schooners. They always put on an awesome show there as well. The lobster rolls were great. The, Celt uh, the Celtic bands were great. It was just a fun time over at the Atlantic Schooner part. Uh, Touchdown Manitoba. I mean, they had a great a little event there. A uh, lot more drinking there and selling merchandising, making sure that they could change all the green guys into blue. Uh, they offered me 20% off on a jersey. Uh, yeah, no, I didn't take them on it. Anyways, uh, and then the Eastern Social Club. Uh, that was the Argonauts, uh, the Thai Cats, the Alouettes, and uh, ooh, the Red Black, sorry. Uh, they were all in one room there. They all that amazing that they could all get along. I don't know how that worked, but nevertheless, they were all in the same room. Uh, they had a neat little thing. It was just mostly like a beer hall. They, they set it up. So everybody just sat around, drank, enjoyed themselves. So uh, some of the special ones also, their uh, perspective houses, 
Uh, BC Lions, they put a great show on. They had a good light setup. Uh, they had a nine-hole mini golf course in the middle of their uh, team party. That's kind of cool. Uh, same with the Stampeders. They had a good game of cornhole go, uh, going on. Uh, they were playing around and having a good time. So good on them. And um, yeah, no, it was a great event that way uh, in the team parties. Uh, I did go with uh, the guys from the Two and Out CNL, uh, CFL podcast. I ran with them over to the Spirit of Edmonton. Uh, yeah, yeah, there was a lot of sluice juice being drunk at that event. Uh, I was the designated driver. So uh, yeah, the guys all had a great time though. And uh, uh, there was a lot of people stumbling out of Spirit of Edmonton by 11 o'clock. Uh, and then the last event I got to was the uh, CFL Football Fans Fight Cancer event that was held at the Canadian Brew House. Uh, me and Trey both went to that one there. Uh, that was a fun event. And kudos to, again, Alex and to Stephen and uh, Greg. I don't think I've seen him there, but he must have been involved with it as well, I'm sure, and all the rest. Uh, they raised over $20,000 for football, uh, for the Alan Walsh, I believe, uh, Institute. So, hey, congratulations to those guys, and congratulations to whoever all put on that event. Did an amazing job. They had a huge 50-50 at it. Uh, great music, great times. They had a live auction. The auctioneer was average at best, but he was okay. And, uh, no, the uh, the whole event was just really, really well done. Uh, and then I, unfortunately, had to get running at that point. But, uh, no, to all the guys that I met at the event – uh, some special shout outs, Adam Gacy. He was a fun guy running around all over the place. I seen him, uh, met Daniela Ponticelli over from the, uh, brighter broadcast as well. She's a great lady. If you ever meet her, make sure you say hi, uh, all sorts of great people that I got to meet. I met Deb and Vince from, uh, Calgary. They were great to always visit with, uh, Laura Stewart from, uh, the, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, uh, one of their fans. She, she was always having a great time at the events. And uh, everybody that was there that I met were such amazing people around there. Everybody was happy. Everybody was in good spirits. Uh, even the Ryder fans. I mean, Ryder fans, you know, we usually get disappointed and kind of, you know, mopey when uh, when the Ryders aren't in it. But all the power, kudos to them. Nobody, nobody was upset. It was all a fun party. Uh, lots of great events. I know I, did, I really missed I wanted to see that drone show that was on at 9 o'clock. The, the next night on the Saturday, uh, Friday, they couldn't have it because of the weather. But so many cool events, such a great setup. The uh, the event went over very well. Uh, There's always improvements. I mean, the transit was a little bit dicey. I mean, it had a few moments. Uh, but that being said, when you looked at how they had tried to set it up, you seen the, the intention was there to try to make it good. So overall, though, I'd give it an A because I think the rider, uh, Rough Rider, uh, Grey Cup committee, they put a good effort into it. Uh, the funniest thing, though, happened during the Grey Cup, though, I got to admit, uh, with uh, reports that the uh, vehicle that the, the Grey Cup was sitting in apparently got uh, towed away and impounded with the Grey Cup in it. <laughs> Would have been extremely awkward to uh, go and say, congratulations, Toronto, you've won the Grey Cup. Now you need to go to the impound and pay for the vehicle so we can get it out of there for you. But uh, you know what? Overall, though, Great, great cup, great amount of fun. Uh, I hope I get to go to another one here again, maybe even next year to Hamilton, be awesome. But uh, no, just a really well done great cup uh, by like a festival by everybody that was involved. Uh, and kudos to them, Trey. What did you think of her? I know this was uh, was this your first? No, this was four, it was number four. I've been to two to Winnipeg, uh, one at Canada Inns in 06. 
Uh, maybe whenever Nelly Furtado was a halftime show, I remember that. Uh, Winnipeg, whenever last time it was there with Fallout Boys, all I remember was I was in the uh, smoke area having a dirt when they were playing. So I don't remember much of the halftime show. And BC in 2014 with uh, Imagination Dragons. I watched that halftime. I watched that one. Um, and this was, yeah, so three cities, four venues. First time watching my own team. So Adam, Adam. I offered everything, man. I offered to pay, I offered to do whatever. You said, nah, 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 nah. so we're done now. But if Winnipeg hosts it, man, you can sleep on my couch. You can have whatever you want, man. I'll make sure the kids clean it off for you. You can come on out. I'll give you a ticket, man. I sit. I, I don't sit as nice as the seat as you. I sit way at the top at IG Field, and you can sit right next to me there. But great time. I, I love. Uh, I know I'm talking more about the game, but there's tons of Bomber fans. I've never been that close. Like I said, I sit top row 50-yard line or 55-yard line. I can see everything. It's great. But being down there with the players, I, I yelled, hey, Farhan, and he looked, and I, you know what I mean? Like, those little things that you don't get sitting at top, it was great. Thank you, Adam, again. But looking at the other things, yeah, I didn't really spend too much time at the party. I went out a little bit on Friday with you. It, the one thing I have to say, it's kind of sad that the best Eastern party is a team that doesn't exist. You know what I mean? Like, that's the worst. That's the absolute worst. The Schooners deserve to be here. I don't care if they're Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, Newfoundland, Maritimes, whatever it is, they deserve to be here. They put on – honestly, they rival most Western teams when it comes to the party, right? Like maybe the host team like Ryderville is pretty packed, but you know what I mean? Lobster rolls and the – wasn't the band yelling, Sociables! Like you know what I mean? Like it's just a whole party there for a team that has never existed. Great. Transit, actually, you know what? The transit uh, Friday and Saturday was fine. Today was getting home. Actually, once I got on the bus, it was okay. It was finding the bus. So I don't know if uh, Mike and Ryan ever try the park and ride in Winnipeg. Very similar to that, but add way more people and less signage. That's what it was. But other than that, it was actually, like I said, Winnipeg would have been just as bad and you're getting stabbed. So it doesn't matter, right? So, um, but the parties were great. The parties was fine. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, I can't remember the podcast. I was literally waiting in line at 3.30 for the bus. And some guy was like, oh, was it the Rouge something podcast? And he's like, are you Trey? And I'm like, yeah. And then he says some podcast he's from. And I'm way too drunk to remember it. So it's great. And then I think I texted you in the group chat that some chick was sitting on my lap. Ends up, she's from my hometown. She's like, I'm, she's like, are you from Winnipeg? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, where are you from? And she goes, I'm from Verdon. And I'm like, no way. I'm actually from Verdon. And she's like, no. And then we're like, so we're talking about teachers we've all had and everything. The crazy things that happen at Grey Cup, right? Like I have to drive six hours to meet someone I might have been a neighbor with. You know what I mean? Like the crazy things you find at Grey Cup. Love Grey Cup. Screw the Super Bowl. $3,000 a ticket. It's not worth it. Come to Grey Cup. You meet people. You know, I mean, every Bomber fan was great. Every Rough Rider fan was great. Every fan was amazing. The one Argo fan at the game was great. It's great. Yeah, it looked like you guys had a lot of fun there this week. And, uh, you know, Adam mentioned an auction earlier on. Uh, Adam got to auction off some tickets at this event. If you haven't seen it yet, uh, go to Trey's Twitter, at TreyMBHarness, and uh, check out the video he took of Adam doing an auction. Uh Save it for the off-season CFC talent show there, Adam. Uh, guys, uh, I think we got to wrap things up here shortly, but I'll let uh, you jump in, Mike. Do you have any uh, final thoughts here? Yeah, Mike, you're I, wrong. I, I, you're wrong, Mike. You're wrong. 
Ain't the truth. Um, I'll make sure you have a loud microphone the next time I see you. Um, that being said, um, I just have a general, gen- general question. Now that we, you know, we made all this discussion about Jared Davis setting great cups, sits in a row. Um, have we? Maybe it's too early for this. Maybe it's an off-season related question. But have we? Come to understand or come to figure out, and I don't mean to start a big 10-minute discussion about this, but maybe just one thought from all of you of, of what comes to mind. Have we decided what the legacy is of Andrew Harris? And the reason I suggest that is this was his fourth great cup win. He's done it with three different teams. BC against the Bombers, Toronto against the Bombers, Brought one to pay the couple great cups. If this is the end of the line for Andrew Harris, what is his legacy in particular? Well, when we talked about players potentially retiring, and is Andrew Harris maybe a bigger part of this than what we see despite only playing such a small sample size? Like, is he, is he basically. The Pat Maroon of the CFL? I don't think so. Uh, at least for this season. I would say the Argos won the Grey Cup and Andrew Harris was a part of it. I wouldn't say Andrew Harris led to the uh, the Argos winning the Grey Cup this year. He was only played a couple games early in the season. Really didn't have a good like run at rushing average efficiency there. Uh, played a little bit in the Grey Cup game here, but A.J. Olette was the running back that stole the show for them. You know, great career, one of the best Canadian running backs, one of the best running backs of all time. Obviously, you do have that two-game suspension. Uh, the drug test, you know, is going to taint things in some people's minds, of course, for, for Andrew Harris, and obviously don't like the way that all played out there uh, with all of that. Uh, but the, he did have a ton of success, you can't deny just the irony really quickly. All the Ryder fans made a big spiel about that when he was suspended those two games. Yeah, the vast majority, from what I understood, actually cheered for his team. But now he... Oh. We got a one-game exemption on that from this commissioner. It's yeah. It's just interesting. Yeah, you know, but- and I'll put it this way, with the legacy of Andrew Harris. If he decides to retire tonight, and that's the end for Andrew Harris, I think... It, can he go down as arguably one of the best Canadian running backs there's ever been? To me, I think he would, right? Uh, the BC Lions draft, I mean, they, and he's all Canadian, don't forget about this. He started his career with the Victoria Island Raiders. Uh, again, CJFL, not even CIS or uh, U Sports in this case. So the guy has been has done it really all. Uh, like I said earlier in this one, he's won a great cup for BC. I believe that was 2011, 2012, somewhere there. Uh, he won himself a great cup for BC. Again, was dominant in BC. Came to Winnipeg. He was exactly as advertised. And I know this is coming from a Ryder fan. I really shouldn't be ca- uh, going and complimenting Andrew Harris all the time because he used to run all over us in Mosaic Stadium in the old stadium. He he was one of those guys that you always had to watch for. And you always said, the first thing you always said whenever he came to town is, how many yards is he going to get? It you know what? Winning two great cups with Winnipeg, with his hometown, that's worth something as well. And he did it dominantly. This year, 
he was a little bit banged up, and he was banged up for a few year for a year or two now, uh, and maybe wasn't getting those yards like he used to get. But again, he was one of those guys that you looked at and said, "Oh my gosh, this guy here! If he's out there, you got to keep somebody on him. It don't matter if he was uh, at 100% or not. You always got to watch for Andrew Harris." And to me, he's he's got to be considered at least a minimum. He's a Canadian Hall of Famer without a doubt. And to me. He could be probably, and again, this is argumentative because, I mean, there's been some great Canadian running backs in the past, but I don't know if there's been any more as great as Andrew Harris, to be honest. All right, guys, I think that does it for tonight. We've talked about everything here through the Grey Cup uh, and uh, and beyond uh, going into the offseason here. Let's see what's coming up next on the podcast. Uh, we have one more show planned for this season for you. Uh, a week from t- uh, week from tomorrow, Monday, November 28th, we're going to do a full CFL season wrap-up. Uh, we're going to decompress for a week, see what kind of news comes out after the Grey Cup, because uh, normally we have some in the week to come. Uh, and then uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about how we ended up with the Argos and the Bombers and the Argos pulling out the Grey Cup here. Uh, and we'll talk about maybe what else is to come here with the podcast in the offseason. You can catch that 9 p.m. Central Time, Monday, November 28th, on a variety of different platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and the Game Time TV YouTube page, all made possible by presenting sponsor Game Time TV, which you can learn more about at GameTimeTV.ca. Of course, if you want to follow us on social media, Twitter is still alive, so that's exciting. Uh, you can find the podcast there at CF Countdown Pod. Uh, you can find us on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash CF Countdown Pod. Make sure you check out all the other great shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network at CF Pod Network on Twitter. Uh, and uh, guys, where can everybody find you and everything you've got going on? Mike, let's start with you. Sorry, pardon me. I, I, I missed your question. Where can people find you on social media oh. and everything you've got going on? Oh, yeah. Sorry, people to find me. I, I should know the routine by now. Uh, people to find me on Twitter, as, as you said, at Mike Darrell. People to find my company, Game Time TV. Uh, Watch.gametimetv.ca. Uh, www.gametimetv.ca. And on Facebook. Sorry. Facebook.com. Batswash. Game Time TV. MB. Right on. Uh, let's go to you next, Trey. Where can people find you and everything you're you're doing these days? Am I unmuted? Okay, okay. I was muted by somebody there. I don't know whoever host has muted me, but that's fine. That makes sense. I understand. I deserve it. Um, but you can find me at Trey MB Harness uh, at Twitter. Um, I would say you could find me at the game time stuff, but I'm not sure if Mike's going to fire me after today. But we'll talk about that later. And uh, I, you know. I might not have hockey, but I definitely have horse racing stuff. If you want, if you want to see how much I think these three guys are wrong, at Trey MB Harness. Yeah, sorry, that may have been me that uh, hit the mute button before. I, I try to mute the live mics if people leave them going. Okay, okay, okay. Just to clarify, Trey's status hasn't changed. Uh, I've offered my forgiveness already. Uh, we can just chat it down to. We agree to disagree. And that's it. I just didn't want the rumor started, so I thought I'd clear that up right now. You know what? I just want to say about the podcast, I'm going to play the Bo Levi thing. I don't have a contract going into next year. You know, I might test free agency. I, I might have got – I don't know. I don't know. That's all I got to say. 
Well, we'll uh, we'll have to uh, we'll try to get ahead of the game and get a contract negotiated before the uh, before the off season gets too far into things here. Uh, Adam, how about you? Uh, where can people find you and everything you got going on? You can find me at Adam Stewart one uh, over on uh, t- Twitter if you want to follow that. Uh, you can find me at Facebook again, Farmer in Saskatchewan, Farmer in Sask. You usually end up with me for some reason. I don't know. There's lots of farmers, but I guess I'm the only one uh, in Saskatchewan that must tweet. No, I'm kidding. There's lots of us. But uh, yeah, no, uh, it's good season. You know what? I just wanted to say, you guys, thanks again. It's kind of the end of the season, sort of, and the wrap-up show of it's going to be our first full year here, me and Trey. So it's kind of a celebration a little bit. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to do it again next year. Hopefully, uh, maybe we'll be talking two different teams in the Grey Cup or maybe the same two teams. Who knows? But the important thing is, yeah, make sure. Uh, thanks again, everybody, for all following us and doing all the kind of cool stuff and going from there. So, all uh, right. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a great season. It's been a fun season. You can find me on Twitter if you want as well, at CooperTrooper42, uh, if you want to talk anything there. Uh, it's been a great season, like I said. I uh, really had a lot of fun doing this twice a week with, with all of y'all and everybody who's joined us in the chat. And uh, looking forward to our season wrap-up show coming up a week from Monday, uh, where hopefully all four of us will be here for that as well. So look forward to that. Whatever podcast platform you're listening on, we appreciate it if you do all the fun things such as like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, share the show with your friends, help us grow the show. We always appreciate that. And on behalf of our entire panel here this evening, I'm Ryan saying thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.